Hello, and welcome to Cherry Beckert's GovCon podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. I'm Brendan Halloran, a director with Cherry Beckert Advisory, and with me today is Jeff Anessa, a senior manager in Cherry Beckert's Government Contractor Services Group. As part of our continuing series on the cost accounting standards, today we'll be talking about cost accounting standards implications during mergers and acquisitions. Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me, Brennan. So certainly transactions, um, you know, merger and, and acquisition activity uh, create additional considerations and can trigger complex accounting issues for government contractors. And this is especially true when determining the implications to the cost accounting standards when you have a company, um, you know, that is cash covered acquiring another uh, organization or um, perhaps even a company that is not cash covered um, acquiring one that is. And I'm kind of using the term cash covered uh, loosely, uh, but certainly, you know, we we all know that, um, you know, cash coverage follows the contract. So um, there really are a lot of things that uh, companies need to be thinking about, um, you know, in this uh, scenario. So we'll cover a couple of uh, different scenarios and just kind of talk through some of the things that uh, companies need to be uh, considering with that. And so first we'll talk about, you know, really, uh, you know, a company that is fully cash covered, you know, perhaps acquiring a smaller company that, you know, <clears throat> does not have any cash covered uh, contracts and what some of the considerations and potential impacts um, there are. Um, as we get into it, you know, there's a couple of different has that most companies take, and and I think that there's you know two primarily that we've that we see more often, um, and that really is you know how you're going to treat that organization that you're acquiring. So, two common approaches, um, you know, are you know if you have a desire to really integrate the um, acquisition very quickly um, into the organization. Or, you know, do you uh, elect to maintain it as a wholly owned uh, subsidiary for a period of time? And so, you know, there's really, um, you know, certainly that uh, dictates a lot about your planning and, and next steps that you have to take, uh, particularly timing. So, um, you know, if um, in the case where, you know, legal entity is dissolved and it's you're looking to integrate it fully, um, you know, it certainly kind of speeds up. Um, you know, the review and understanding what you're going to do about the cost accounting practices and evaluating those. Um, so again, you know, the government is very interested in any changes, um, you know, to cost accounting practices or caps, um, we'll probably mention along the way. And so um, you really do need to, um, you know, fully understand, you know, whether there's going to be some change in the method or technique uh, for allocation of costs uh, to cost objectives, you know, how assignment of costs um, to cost accounting periods is going to work and, you know, measurement of cost. And, and we'll talk a little bit further about it, you know, things like, you know, cost accounting periods between the organizations um, and some things that you may have to think about there. But um, Jeff, you know, any any kind of thoughts, you know, just from the from the kind of first steps there as, as we're talking through it? Yeah, one of the ones that always kind of comes to mind for me is CAS 410. And for those that aren't aware, CAS 410 is the allocation of business unit GNA expenses. So if the acquired entity is fully absorbed, then there's typically only going to be one business unit. So those GNA costs would then need to be accumulated in the aggregate and allocated to all contracts based on the causal beneficial relationship, which I assume both entities were probably doing prior to the acquisition. So when integrating another legal entity, you really want to consider using the GNA base that best fits the company's total activity, which would include that new contract portfolio, which may necessitate a change in base. 
So depending on the size of the acquisition, there could potentially be a change in the base depending on you know the contracts that they're working on. So for those not aware, CAS 410 does describe three bases for the allocation of GNA costs, which is the total cost input base, the value added base, which we've kind of seen a lot more companies adopting due to the increase in significant subcontractor costs, or a single element base. Yeah, no, good point. And, you know, again, I think a lot of that is driven by, you know, the scale of the acquisition and the companies involved. Um, you know, how much will that really, you know, kind of change what the, you know, what that kind of contract portfolio looks like. Other point to to make, um, you know, we're talking a lot about kind of cash structure. But, you know, that doesn't always align, nor does it have to align, you know, with a company's, you know, market segments or, you know, kind of industries as they have set up, you know, for the business. So, so again, you know, there's uh, many instances where, you know, there is some crossover between, let's say, companies, you know, market segments versus the um, actual cast segments. So, you know, again, you know, that's... Um, I wouldn't say it's not problematic, <clears throat> but it certainly, you know, triggers some additional things that you want to uh, consider and, you know, and some of the administrative effort that, you know, that's associated with it. Great points. So kind of to circle to the other most common approach that you kind of elicited to uh, earlier is where the acquired legal entity will be maintained as a wholly owned subsidiary. So at times this can actually grant you some additional time to plan for. In this type of acquisition, the companies will typically remain separate and maintain separate cost accounting practices as it relates to their contracts. However, one thing to consider is that there's now potential for additional CAS 403, which are home office expenses, and CAS 410, G&A implications, when there will be those allocated home office expenses. So kind of focusing on the CAS 403 and 410. So if a segment performs operations as well as home office expenses, so if the acquiring company has some sort of home office expense that they plan to allocate to that other company that they've just acquired, then those home office functions need to be accumulated separately from the operational GNA expenses. So if there are multiple segments that benefit from those business unit GNA expenses, then those expenses should be allocated based on their causal beneficial relationship. Now, CAS 403 really addresses and focuses on the allocation of the home office expenses to the segments of the organization. And CAS 410 is really where it focuses on the accounting treatment of those home office expenses once they've actually been allocated to the segment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great points and, and certainly, um, you know, things that uh, companies need to be thinking about, you know, and as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, really, uh, I think we see that pretty frequently. And again, you know, it may um, may only be a year, you know, prior to, um, you know, really trying to integrate um, an acquisition. But, you know, we certainly see a lot of instances where, you know, just to um, really fully understand and, and kind of plot the best approach to it, um, you know, you really can um, buy yourself a little bit of time um, and, and kind of taking that approach of leaving the entity intact. And, you know, that's really the the contracting entity with the U.S. government. So um, and to that point as well, um, you know, we mentioned before, you know, that, you know, the kind of organizational or, or business structure or market approach may not always be in line with, you know, kind of CAS or U.S. government uh, contract reporting. Um, so you really just want to understand you know how you're going to accomplish both that reporting as well as you know you know what the the company's objectives for for your financial statements and reporting is 
Um, so certainly um, a couple of different ways and, and there's um, probably more creative approaches as well, but those are, are probably the two that we um, that we encounter the most. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk through a little bit is just, you know, what are some of the kind of initial steps um, that organizations need to take, you know, as you're, you know, either assessing, you know, a target um, or you're, you know, well down the path of, um, you know, potentially, you know, making that transaction and, and acquiring, um, you know, another uh, another company. <clears throat> Um, so really is, you know, understanding, you know, what those cast covered contracts are, things like, you know, period of performance, you know, obviously, you know, if there's not a follow on or, you know, perhaps it was a kind of a one off cast covered contract that a company um, was awarded. Um, that's something that may, you know, certainly drive some of your um, decisions that'll have longer um, longer term impacts. Um, you know, you'll certainly want to understand if, you know, either you as the, you know, cast cover acquirer or the, the company that you're acquiring, you know, what is their cast cover contract portfolio? Do you think that that's going to continue to grow? Um, is it likely that they're going to get additional um, cast covered contracts? Um, you know, keeping it as a um, subsidiary, as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, does give you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a, you know, kind of shield, um, you know, from, you know, kind of pulling those into the larger company or organization. Um, but again, you know, just a very initial step is understanding, um, you know, really what those contracts are, um, what the, um, you know, period of performance is, what the likelihood of follow-ons um, are. No, great points. I think one of the other considerations is really trying to determine your external restructuring costs based on the size of the merger. And for those not familiar, external restructuring costs are the expenses that are related to the restructuring activities occurring after a business combination that affects the operations of both. So a lot of different costs that are going back and forth when you're acquiring a company. And at times, a lot of these expenses can be allowable, but there's some things you definitely need to do in the government's eyes to ensure that you can be reimbursed for those. So you want to be as accurate as possible when estimating those costs in your external restructuring proposal to determine if there really is going to be a savings by year and by cost element on contracts. That's one of the things that you'll need to demonstrate to the government. Additionally, you'll need to closely track and review the associated costs for allowability purposes if one of your goals is to be reimbursed for those. Another consideration is determining if there would be any potential for changes to your current cost accounting practices, and if so, there are detailed procedural requirements governing changes in cost accounting practices and the treatment of the resulting cost impact to government contractors. So, or government contracts. So a contractor would need to notify the contracting officer. That's typically always the first step. Anything comes up, you know, do your due diligence and reach out mm -hmm. to notify them of any impending change. Um, a contractor would also be required to submit a general dollar magnitude proposal that provides an estimated overall impact to the change for those cast covered contracts. Yeah, no, and, and very, you know, critical items, you know, as as you're thinking through. And again, we could certainly um, probably spend hours, you know, talking through various um, components of, of some of the things that you need to uh, consider. But, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, with, you know, external restructuring, depending on, you know, contracts, if you've got a lot of, you know, Department of Defense or DOD, you know, there are some DFARS provisions that, you know, um, 
treat external restructuring costs a certain way um, and have particular requirements, you know, so if there is a, um, you know, significant dollars associated with that, maybe something that, you know, that, you know, the contractor needs to be considering <clears throat> uh, following that uh, routine as well, because it does impact, um, you know, requirements for um, cost impacts associated with those caps and, and many other things. Um, you know, another thing, you know, and, and this is, you know, should be, you know, fairly, um, you know, fairly obvious and I'm sure of, of high interest, you know, when you're, you know, even just kind of looking at the potential for um, a merger acquisition is, you know, really evaluating the rate structures um, and how does the company you're acquiring, does it fit in? To the existing structure, um, if you were to to go ahead and integrate them, um, and and certainly, you know, it's um, you know, if you're doing the integration, you know, there's probably going to be um, things across the organization impacted by it um, because they may fit into multiple uh, functional areas, um, administrative uh, as well, and so you know, a couple of you know, as you're looking at you know what. What would happen with the the rate structure and how might they fit um, or you know is there really a change you know is certainly understanding you know where you have a cost accounting practice change and, and where you do not and so there are a lot of things to uh, keep in mind that may not trigger um, all of that additional work um, associated with the cap change so um, just a few um, you know kind of areas that do not um, you know are pretty straightforward but you know if you're you know just changing the size or composition of indirect pools um, that that doesn't constitute a cap change. So, you know, in the, you know, if you've got fairly straightforward rate structures and there's some commonality there, <clears throat> um, you may be able to um, avoid um, some of those because just uh, combining them um, may be an approach. Um, you know, the initial creation of a cost accounting practice doesn't constitute a change. Uh, change in treatment of a cost that was previously immaterial, um, you know, is not considered a cap change and is more in line with the initial adoption. Um, and transfers of work from one segment to another is not a cap change as long as the cost accounting practices of the, you know, those segments or um, units, you know, does remain the same. So there, there are some, you know, there's a little bit of leeway in terms of, you know, what triggers that, that change. So a couple of things, um, you know, we, we've covered a fair amount of ground. Um, there's obviously going to be a lot of due diligence and, and effort associated with um, some of the steps that we've talked about. But just to, you know, recap a few of the, the points um, that are, you know, areas to focus um, your attention on include, you know, um, you know, cost accounting period, you know, if you've got, you know, different cost accounting periods for the organizations, you know, how are you going to, you know, um, integrate that? Um, so that may be something that you need to look at a transitional accounting period to bring those into alignment. And again, that involves some engagement with the uh, with the government indirect rate structure, which we, you know, just talked about, you know, what kind of similarity, um, you know, of labor cost drivers, um, you know, how, you know, how those, um, you know, pools and bases are, are structured, um, obviously looking at allocations, restructuring costs. And again, I mentioned just a little bit on DOD contracts, um, you know, where that's a, a significant portion of the uh, contract load, that that's an area that you really need to, you know, really, um, you know, look up 231, 205, 70 in DFARS and, and really take a look there. 
Um, and then also, you know, some of the things that you uh, may run into, um, you know, there are certainly some some pitfalls associated with not um, kind of doing that that planning, but, um, you know, certainly kind of taking those steps should should benefit you. <clears throat> um, and again, with all of these, you know, a lot of this is dictated by, um, you know, how, you know, how large the organization is that's being acquired, <clears throat> um, you know, and, the, and some of the complexities there. So certainly um, understanding that and, and taking the time to evaluate it is is really critical. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think those are all great points and kind of everything that we've we've touched on so far from a high level. Uh, is really talking through an organization with cast covered contracts as the acquirer and they're really still important and apply where a non cast covered organization is acquiring one with cast covered contracts so kind of just to sum up some of those high level areas that that you would really want to focus on you know if you're an organization that does not currently have any cast covered contracts i mean one you're, you're probably going to need to do a little research on cast since you're probably not as familiar so definitely try and get some help from the, the company that you're going to be acquiring um, but you really would want to focus on performing an analysis of those cast covered contracts. Some of the things that you really would want to look at are what is the period of performance? You know, how long are these cast covered contracts applicable for? Um, how many cast covered contracts are there? You know, what is really is the dollar magnitude in the grand scheme of things? Um, as well as, you know, do you anticipate that? you know, this this separate segment or company would continue to grow. Do you expect to receive additional cast covered contracts in the future? Any other ones kind of coming to mind for you, Brendan? You know, I, I think that, you know, that scenario <clears throat> jumps to mind, you know, for perhaps a, you know, larger commercial company that, you know, is looking to get into a space. Um, perhaps they're even looking to kind of expand footprint into, you know, government uh, GovCon space. And so, you know, again, as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, they may not have the familiarity, um, but, you know, because it could have, so, you know, you know, pretty broad implications to the rest of the organization is really doing that, that due diligence, you know, and this is an area where, you know, really giving that lead time to plan what that's going to look like to understand what's there is, is really critical. Um, and, you know, and just to, um, you know, understand that, you know, although making business decisions quickly, you know, often is, you know, helpful to, to kind of drive your your goals. Um, it, as with anything in, in GovCon, and particularly with, with CAS, is that that's an area where you do want to allow yourself time, not make quick decisions, and really allow yourself to, um, you know, evaluate fully, think about it long term and some of the impacts, because it's not easy to walk, um, you know, walk uh, potential cap changes, um, you know, back. So, um, just a you know, couple of probably pretty obvious due diligence type items there. Good points. Yeah, great. Well, uh, Jeff, thanks so much for uh, for talking uh, through this a little bit today. And and again, as we as we said, and and probably some of the the points we brought up um, are, are pretty obvious that you could um, you know get into um, a lot of uh, you know kind of nuances uh, associated with this. Uh, but, you know, here at Jerry Becker, we have several uh, professionals with years of CAS experience to help you navigate any CAS compliance issues um, related to, you know, something you might be um, considering uh, changing or doing with your business, um, disclosure statement development, um, you know, and all the associated administration. So, um, you know, certainly reach out to uh, to us if you have any questions or if there's anything that we can uh, help you with and follow up. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, 
Also, don't forget to keep an eye out for the remainder of the CAS series podcasts, where we'll get into more detail on specifics of individual CAS standards, general requirements, cost accounting changes, and disclosure statements.